Would you pray with me? Loving God, guide our hearts and minds towards that message that we need to hear from you in these words this morning. Amen. Gratitude for our gifts. There once was an old storyteller who supposedly lived about 600 years before Christ. And he was well known for his clever short stories that conveyed proverbial truths. He is thought to have been a slave from Africa that was brought to ancient Greece, where he eventually gained his freedom. His appearance was said to be kind of unattractive, but he gained a great deal of fame for his wise fables that shed light on the human condition. These fables are thought to be about 2,700 years old, yet they still ring true today. In one of these stories, there's a wild donkey that comes across a, a well-groomed, tame donkey lounging in an open meadow. The wild donkey admired the tame one and said, Brother, I envy your happiness. And then he walked away. A few days later, the wild donkey happened to cross paths with the tame donkey again, but this time, the tame donkey is tied to a heavy cart, and his master is at his heels, goading him forward. The wild donkey came near the tame one and whispered in his ear, My friend, your condition is not what I thought it to be, for you looked well in the meadow, but I am not interested in paying the price that you are giving for that nice coat and abundant food. The moral of the story given for this one is, between envy and gratitude, we make ourselves miserable in two ways. Out of an opinion, first, for our, that our neighbor has too much, and secondly, that we ourselves have too little. The author of this fable, known as Aesop, teaches a commonly known proverb in the story that we typically refer to with the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side. Has anybody heard that? We usually think of this phrase when we hear someone expressing envy for another person's circumstances, like their career, their family, their wealth, or any of a number of different things. But I think this proverb applies equally well to our own lives at different stages. When we are young, we look forward to getting older so that we can have more responsibility. As we progress in our jobs or careers, we expect things will get much better when we finish our training or get that promotion that we've been looking for. And when we look towards the ends of our career, we equally look forward to retirement when we can have more freedom to do anything we want. Interestingly, it also works in reverse. We often look back with nostalgia on our earlier years, usually remembering the happy times a little more positively and not quite recalling the difficulties that we endured with as much clarity. Our natural human tendency seems to be an inclination towards some discontent with our current circumstances, or at least an expectation of better possibilities somewhere or sometime else. In the case of nostalgia, where we yearn to return to an earlier time with the knowledge and wisdom that we have, with that knowledge and wisdom that we have today, I suspect that many of us would have second thoughts on reliving those things that we had already gone through if we really seriously considered what we had previously experienced. I mean, who would like to go back two years and re relive the early part of the pandemic that we've been experiencing? Sometimes ignorance is bliss. 
In our passage today, Jesus and his disciples are leaving the temple when one of them says to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. The disciple was impressed with the magnificence of the architecture and construction, perhaps feeling a sense of confidence in his or her Jewish faith. Surely such a huge structure might have seemed indestructible and probably would have conveyed a feeling that that culture that built that impressive structure was equally indestructible. I recall my first visit to New York City when I saw the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center. It was a weekend when there wasn't much foot traffic, so I laid down on a bench that was between the two towers and gazed up. I was amazed at how high the towers rose to the sky, and I wondered how humans could have built such a large structure, much less two of them next to each other. But of course, we know what happened to the Twin Towers, and we also know what happened to the temple. Jesus replied to the disciple, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. Rather than acknowledging the accomplishments of his fellow Jews, Jesus offers the dire news that those magnificent buildings will soon be destroyed. We may wonder why Jesus would have chosen to offer this information in response to an expression of appreciation for a grand achievement. Why not let that disciple experience some delight and admiration for the temple while it still existed? Perhaps Jesus wanted to make a point. Perhaps he wanted to convey to that disciple that nothing created by humanity is too big to fail. This truth has been proven many times throughout history. Whether we're talking about buildings, governments, or institutions, there is nothing that cannot be toppled. Humanity has made impressive achievements over the centuries, but they have only been temporary. The temple was destroyed, Rome eventually collapsed, and even the Twin Towers in New York were destroyed. If we want to put our confidence in something that will not fail, we must look to God. I don't doubt that humanity will continue to make impressive achievements, but the accomplishments of the creator of the universe cannot be emulated with the same enduring qualities. Perhaps this was the message that Jesus wanted his disciple to understand. Later that day, after Jesus and his disciples had reached Mount of Olives, Jesus' inner circle of disciples, that would be Peter, James, John, and Andrew, approached him privately to learn more about the impending destruction. They must have overheard the conversation between Jesus and the other disciple regarding the temple, and they wanted to know, when would these things take place? They must have considered this privileged information, or they would have posed the question in front of all the other disciples. Instead, they waited until everyone had settled down after the trip from back from the temple, and then they privately came to Jesus for special information. Interestingly, Jesus must have also considered this privileged information because he never tells them what they were looking for. They asked him for the time when the temple would be destroyed or signs that would let them know when it was about to happen. But Jesus doesn't give them this information. Instead, Jesus tells them when it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen when they hear of wars or rumors of wars 
It's not going to happen when the nations rise against nations or kingdoms rise against kingdoms. It's not going to happen when they hear of earthquakes, and it's not going to happen when they hear of famine. It's almost as if, as if Jesus is telling them, don't worry about it. Bad things will happen, but that's not what I'm preparing you for. Your job is to share the good news and spread the gospel message, not to seek protection or prepare yourselves for taking control when the end times approach. Jesus warned them that difficulties would come, but those challenges were only the beginning of the birth pains. Perhaps Jesus wanted them to do the hard work that he knew <clears throat> that they was ahead of them without fear and dread. All of the disciples went on to live extremely difficult lives after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And all but one of them were eventually martyred in terrible ways. Having the foreknowledge of these events may have been too hard to bear. So Jesus must have been protecting them by not revealing what they were about to endure. Jesus was able to accomplish all that God had asked of him, despite knowing ahead of time the suffering that he was going to experience. But this may be an unrealistic expectation for anyone other than the Son of God. He knew he was going to be arrested, flogged, killed, and then resurrected on the third day. But he purposefully walked into Jerusalem anyway, Jesus told his inner circle of disciples that they needed to hear at that moment so that they would fulfill the roles that God had planned for them in their own time. I think Jesus wants the same for us. We all have our own journeys with peaks and valleys. And Christ wants us excuse me, to have fulfilled lives. They're not burdened with a complete foreknowledge of the difficulties that we will also face. Granted, there may be times in our lives when we are confronted with the knowledge of imminent challenge that will be hard to endure. But I think Christ, Christ helps us endure these times, sometimes walking next to us and sometimes carrying us. Christ knows what we can bear, and he will help us on our journey if we accept his invitation to let him into our lives. Knowing that Christ is ready to join us on our journey can be a source of great hope and comfort, regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Whether we are old or young, rich or poor, pursuing a new career or leaving behind an old one, we have good reasons to be grateful for the circumstances that we find ourselves in. We are assured that we are not alone, and we can be confident that the creator of the universe will be by our side whenever we need him. We may not be able to fully rely on ourselves or our institutions, but we know that we can place our trust fully in God. God gives us everything we need, and everything that we have comes from God. Our very life comes from God, and with each moment of life, we are blessed with a chance to love and be loved. Every time we choose love, we come closer to God, and our relationship with God grows deeper. So the greatest thing in life we could do, the greatest accomplishment we could ever achieve is to love. This sounds pretty simple, but I think we often miss opportunities to accomplish this goal. 
Many times we're too preoccupied with achieving other goals that we think will improve our quality of life or create better situations for our families. By remaining focused on those things that we don't have, we sometimes lose sight of the treasures that are right next to us or sitting across from us or standing in front of us. We cannot change what has happened in the past and we cannot be certain that our future will unfold the way we want it to. But we always have this moment now. I ask you now to take this moment and reflect with gratitude on what you have, especially your relationships. And then, in response to the loving gifts that God has blessed you with, share your love with those who have been blessed by being a part of your life. Amen.